Uh, I decided it would be our theme verse for 2019. Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 10. It's the second part of that verse. Gather the people to me that I may let them hear my words so that they may learn to fear me all the days that they live on the earth and that they may teach their children so This time of year, uh, they say, is the time when people plan major improvement works to their homes. Renovation work. Now, one or two of our members have already had this done and won't be planning any more. I wouldn't think for the foreseeable future, and they've moved in this past week. Uh, but, But January, they say, is much more common for that kind of thing. And the reason for that is that people have have sat down at their Christmas dinner and when they've got everyone squeezed in, they decide that they can't do this anymore. The the, the house is just too small. Uh, (laughs) Walls are going to need to come down, is the idea. An extension is needed. That's the way people think. Uh, But anyone who who, who contemplates such such a, a renovation must establish something very important. Before you start knocking down any walls, you need to know which walls are structural, which walls are weight-bearing. Isn't that right? You need to find them. It's very important that you find them. Walls that must remain or the whole thing will come crashing down. Other walls can go. They can make way for improvements. You can put the odd beam in or whatever. But, But certain things must remain. For they are bedrock. They are so very important. And we'll see some walls that are weight-bearing in our theme verse this morning and indeed this year. This time of year is full of memory, isn't that right? We're, we're forced almost to, to think back uh, to times past like this, to, 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 to plans we had this time last year, to things that happened around this time. It's, it's that kind of time of year, isn't it? And there's also something about the turn of the year that, that, that resets our, our minds and, and refocuses them. Isn't that right? It's good to refocus, to reset the clock, as it were. The book of Deuteronomy, where we're, we're at this morning, is, is, full, is, is all about reminders. The, the name of the book, Deuteronomy, comes from, from a Greek word which means second law. Like our word, dual. You get the D. D-U, that kind of D-E-U kind of idea. Deuteronomy isn't cutting edge, and it doesn't pretend to be. It doesn't have anything brand new to say. It knows and repeatedly tells us that it's a referral back to earlier events, a reminder. It's, it's well known that in chapter 5, we have, in particular, we have the second giving of the Ten Commandments. Uh, The the first, of course, is in Exodus chapter 20. The second is in uh, chapter 5. It's a repeat. The Ten Commandments, of course, are the the moral law of God. The the summary of what God expects from those who are in a relationship with him in any age. Deuteronomy is a referral back to the first giving of of that law, uh, which happened, of course, at Mount Sinai, at, at Mount Horeb, as it's also called. The bulk of of Deuteronomy, the the first 30 chapters, are like a trip down memory lane. And so don't be surprised uh, if our theme verse for 2019 from chapter 4 doesn't say anything new. Don't be expecting anything to appear out of the woodwork this morning in the message. Yes, the, the year is new, but God's word is going to remind us of things we already know. Important things that we knew already. 
But, of course, like the children of Israel, we all need reminder from time to time because we're prone to forget every single one of us. This is the final book of Moses. He's got five, uh, and it's almost entirely made up of three speeches, or probably more accurately, three sermons delivered by Moses before his departure from the earth, before he dies. In fact, verse 10 isn't actually said from the voice of Moses. The part we're referring to in the inverted commas there in the speech marks. It's God speaking, isn't it? Now, now, you and I both know that all of these words in this book, the Bible, are from God. All the words in this book are God's words, uh, for this is how he speaks. Uh, And and they they, they are men's words as well, isn't that right? Uh, Amazingly, God uses human instruments, men, uh, to to write his word. They're they're simultaneously men's words and, and God's words. So in Deuteronomy, Moses' words are God's words. But if you get what I mean, this is Moses actually quoting the Lord God in his sermon. It's the Lord saying to me, the Lord said to me, gather the people to me. God's word is telling us God's word. It's like a circle, isn't it? Or like if you look in a mirror and there's another mirror behind you and it just never stops. God's word with God's word. But it's also not a verse that is recorded live in Deuteronomy chapter 10. The words are not said real time on the plains of Moab waiting to cross the Jordan to enter the promised land at the end of 40 years of wandering. No, they are a repeat of what was said back on that earlier day. Isn't it that the way verse 10 reads? How on the day you stood before me, the Lord your God at Horeb, the Lord said to me, gather the people. Let's break into our verse and see what it says. Gather the people to me. That's the first clause. On, on that day, as, as recorded in, earlier in the Bible in Exodus 20, the Israelites, they're, they're camped at the, at the wilderness of, in the wilderness of Sinai. That's, that's in Egypt today. You can go on your holidays near there. But, but in those days, that was out of Egypt. That was, that was away from the clutches of the Egyptians, which of course they are now. They've escaped. And the people come near and, and stand at the foot of the mountain. And no one is allowed to go up the mountain or even to touch it except for Moses. And Moses speaks to God and God answers him in thunder, we're told. And Moses was told to gather the people to me. God summons the people to the holy mountain, to the mountain of God. And this, this, language, this, this language of gather comes up again and again and again in the Bible. Gather the people to me. It's, it's so common. Gather is sometimes even translated as assemble. Um, it's a word uh, used for, for gathering together nationally. When the national census is taken uh, at the start of the book of Numbers. There are two censuses in, in Numbers, if that's even a word. There are two of them. And... Um, And that's the word that's used. Assemble. Gather. And when they gather at the end of seven years at the Feast of Booths in Deuteronomy 31, when all Israel comes to appear before the Lord God and everyone has to be included, assemble the people, God says. Men, women and little ones. And the sojourner within your towns. It's everyone in the nation. It's gather. 
That's the way it works. And it's it's a word that's used for big national events. uh, When the people are gathered at the tent of meeting. When when Aaron and his sons are consecrated for the rule uh, as priests in Leviticus chapter 8. Or when David gathers the people to declare uh, that he he wants to build uh, the temple. uh, But but Solomon is going to be the one that's going to be building it uh, at the end of uh, 1 Chronicles 28. It's a word used for, for war gatherings as well. When the, when the eastern tribes rebel in Joshua 22 and Israel, the rest of it, gather at Shiloh. Or when Rehoboam gathers to make war as the kingdom divides in 1 Kings 12. It's that sort of word, isn't it? It's a, it's a word used to celebrate national victories as well. When, when, when they have this big victory over Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir under King Jehoshaphat. And, and they, they gather to, to, to recognize the blessing of God. It's a a national sort of word. Of course, the people and the land of Israel uh, were a one-off as a nation. They they were God's nation. Uh, So they had had laws for their nation, good laws as we read in the passage, laws that were to be the envy of those around them. Uh, They were were a nation like, like no other before them or since. And we have no such nation today. We do not gather as a nation before God as, as they did. Uh, we do not take the, the sword as they did as a nation uh, with, with God's bidding, if you like. We do not um, have such a need to gather today. Things are, are now spiritual instead of physical under the new covenant, which is different. But they, there certainly is a need uh, for, for all of God's spiritual people uh, to gather to him. Isn't that right? All without exception. For, for that word is, is used uh, all the time in the Bible for when people gather to worship. It's a, it's a worship sort of word. In the Old Testament, sorry. Like, like in 1 Corinthians 15, when, when King David brings the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem, it's been with the Philistines, and, and, and it's for worship, because they've got the Ark of the Covenant back, which is where God dwells. Worship in a good sense. It's also actually used uh, when, when they worship in the bad sense, in a, in a false sense. So they're at the foot of Mount Horeb in Exodus 32, and the people gather together and they say, Here, here are, and you know what? Moses has been away far too long. Uh, we need you to, 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 to make gods for us. Make a god for us. Important to think of the consequences of false worship here, too. But we'll talk more about that in a moment. It's it's a formal gathering sort of word. Gather. This idea is so common in the Bible. The New Testament church in Acts gathered. Chapter 2. All who believed were together. And day by day attending the temple together. Uh, It's also there in that most Old Testament of New Testament books. Which is Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together. As is the habit of some. But encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. It's gathering, meeting together. It's stirring one another up. It's holding fast to the confession of our hope. And the whole thing is given in the context of a a passage that's all about the assurance of faith. I wonder, do you lack assurance of your faith? 
I wonder, is it related to your gathering? That's, that's certainly the, the author to the Hebrews thinks that it is. The two of them are connected. There is a great correlation between our gathering and our spiritual temperature and our condition. I find that people are surprised by this, but that that is the case. Society, of course, drip feeds us self-assurance. We can do it on our own. I'm a survivor. We, we, we maybe think uh, we can get better Bible teaching on the internet for ourselves to listen to when we're, when we're on our own and, w- and we'll be okay. Uh, I'm not disputing uh, the, the first part. You, you, I'm sure you can get better Bible teaching. But, but, I'm not dis- but I am disputing the second part. You won't be okay on your own without gathering, without meeting with God's people. There are good reasons why we put um, our sermons on the website. But there are also dangers with it. Dangers that people might think that they can shortcut gathering, meeting with God's people. That they will miss and indeed miss out on other vital aspects of gathering as the local church. You see, the truth be told, the coal that comes away from the fire of the church family never stays hot for very long. Don't doubt that, because it's true. We need each other. The language of the New Testament is so often we and us. As in we the church. As in let us from Hebrews 10 which I just read. We need to think sometimes as individuals. Of course we do. You know, It's important to, to think of becoming a Christian as an individual matter. You're not saved because your parents are saved or because you, you come to church. No, salvation happens to the me, to the I as an individual. But growing in grace... Well, that's a, that's a we in the Bible. It's a, it's a group activity. It's, it's a corporate matter. It's, it's, it's a we thing. Because we, we grew together. Of course, there are valid reasons why people can't be here on certain times. But we shouldn't be looking for a reason. For we'll always find one. That's why we have evening services. That's why we have home groups in midweek. If we, if we can't be there, we, we need to, 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 to keep that wall there with the other alternative. This is priority number one. And it is morning and evening. For we grow more. We benefit spiritually twice on a Sunday. More assurance. More growing. More understanding of what God is like in his word. More unity. More joy. This is a weight-bearing wall gathering together. You lose this, then the whole house comes down around you. Your, your assurance suffers, your devotional life suffers, your family life suffers, your marriage suffers, your friendships suffer, your mental health suffers. That, that's, that's, that's what I've seen it. Verse 9 is clear. You need to remember, only take care, it says, and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Look after this wall. Look after it. No better time to reset the clock on good habits than than the first Sunday of a new year. Isn't that right? Gather the people to me, God says. Gather them to worship together in church. Gather when they possibly can. Secondly, hear my words. 
Let them hear my words, God says. The Hebrew name for the book of, of Deuteronomy is the words. That's what it's called. That comes from the opening, opening um, phrase in the book. Chapter 1 verse 1. These are the words. It's all about the words in Deuteronomy. As we said, God uh, speaks in thunder in chapter 19 of Exodus. But then there's a change. As, as chapter 20 begins and we get the Ten Commandments, God speaks words, we're told, that the people can hear and understand. Again, verse 12 tells us to see him. And God's actual words are, are audible to them. They can hear it as, they, as they're there at the mountain. They saw no form of God, we're told, but they heard words, and these words are later uh, transcribed onto two tablets of stone. Special words. Written by the finger of God, we're told. I think those tablets are very special, aren't they? They've got God's moral law on them, and they're written by the finger of God. But how awesome to hear the actual vocal words of God from heaven. How incredible that he reveals himself like that. No, it's not Moses' words that they've come to hear. Uh, he's just the go-between. No, they've, they've gathered to hear from God. And yet, amazingly, as, as time passes, God moves his chosen instruments to produce a series of scrolls or, or books to write down for future generations his words. As we said already, the, the words of Moses are the words of God. The words written down by Moses and others uh, later in the Bible are, are the written down word of God. Second Peter 1 says, For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. In Nehemiah chapter 8, we have an incident at the very beginning of the Hebrew calendar year. It's, 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 the, it's the New Year sermon. And what happens is all the people gather a different word but same, same meaning. Uh, as one man, uh, they, they gather in the square in Jerusalem. And Ezra, he, he brings out the book of the law, more, almost certainly the book of Deuteronomy. And uh, he reads it in the presence of, of, of men and women and all who can understand, it says. And we're told that they're attentive to the book of the law. Uh, and we're told that they stand to hear it for many hours. Again, it's not Ezra that they've come to hear. It's God. It, he's just the messenger. He brings the law before the assembly. That's how it reads. He's just the vehicle. And God's words are something to revere. Uh, to show this, Ezra is, is placed on a raised wooden platform, purpose-built for the occasion. Sounds like the first pulpit, doesn't it? The Bible reading is the, is the most important part of our service. I want you to know that. Yes, it is important as I and others seek to explain what God says to give the sense of it. But, but the actual words of the text are the most important part. That's why we shouldn't say, for the sake of time, I'm going to read three verses. For the, we, should, we should read more verses. <laughs> for, for that's the centerpiece of why we gather. What does God say to the people that day at Mount Horeb? Well, it tells us there in verse 13. And he declared to you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform. That is the Ten Commandments. His words are the Ten Commandments. And that's his covenant, it says. The rule of the Ten Commandments is often confusing, isn't it? 
People wonder what they're, what they're for. Uh, I learned them as a child uh, in Sunday school, uh, uh, but, but what are they for? Uh, what, what do you do with them? Uh, well, here it's clear. The Ten Commandments are a covenant. That's what it says. They're, they're not how you get to God or, or how you please God or how you be a jolly good boy in the meantime. No, no, no it's for, for those who are in a covenant with him. They're not even possible to keep if you're not a believer. It's for those who are in a covenant with him, for they are his covenant, in verse 13. Like the nation of Israel, of course, who are under the old Sinai covenant. Like those who who come through Jesus under the new covenant today, in his blood, the new covenant in Christ. Those who who Jesus saves because he keeps the commandments, the, the moral law, perfectly for them. And he dies on a cross to pay for how they've broken them. It's God's words that we gather to hear. We don't gather to hear my words. We open this book and we speak the words of God that are in it and that it is. And that's a structural wall for our church. This year, every year. I want to tell you that. That's a structural wall. That's weight bearing. Lots of weight bearing. Because if that goes, it all goes. If this goes, it all goes. If, we put the, if, if, if the word of God is carried out of here never to return, we can put the lights out and, and go home and never come back. For we might as well. And it's not just some of these words. It's all of these words. Paul says to the Ephesian elders, For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. For the whole world of, word of God is our, is our wall, our foundation. It's, it's these words that we cling to. It's, it's these words that, that we insist on in an ever-changing world. When wrong is called right and right is called wrong. When, when the morals of our nation, you know our nation's got its own set of morals. You ever think like that? They have these set of morals that they can try to impose on everyone. Like the moral of individual identity. You can be who you want to be. Like the moral of everyone can love whoever they, they choose to. Like the moral of, 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 of the lack of ultimate difference between male and female. Oh, you must insist on that. No, we, we stick to these moral laws, these words, above all other. Thirdly, the people of Israel are commanded to fear me all the days that they live on the earth. Listen to Exodus. Well, these people are, are, are told not to forget what they have seen. We read that in verse 9. And you know, Mount Horeb was a site of great fear. Listen to Exodus 19 and, 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 and picture this, right? On the morning of the third day, they were, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. So that all the people in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke, because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him in thunder. It's fire, and it's thunder. It's an awesome sight, isn't it? And there's another thing of great fear in this chapter. It's mentioned in verse 3. Something that their eyes had seen as well. 
something that happened at a place called Baal Peor which is an incident uh, recorded in Numbers 25 when uh, the men of Israel were told began to whore with the daughters of Moab they began to worship their fertility gods and, oh, and were involved in all the sordid sexual activity that went along with that and God is angered and we're told that his anger kindled against Israel fire kindled and 24,000 died in a plague for God is holy there is need to be need to be faithful before a holy God isn't there for they were brought out of the camp to meet God we read I wonder what your reaction is to gathering to meet with God as a church is there a, is there a reverential fear we're told that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom twice in Proverbs once in Psalm 111 now it's not a crippling fear don't get me wrong like if you were I don't know in prison and waiting for your, the man coming to deliver 40 lashes or something it's not like that it's, it's, it's more like, like, like the fear a child has for a father they don't really want to displease Martin Luther called it filial fear for fear when a, when a child who has tremendous respect and, and love for his father or mother and who dearly wants to please them and he has a, has a fear and anxiety almost for, for offending the one he loves. Not because he's afraid of punishment but rather because he's afraid of displeasing the one that is that, is that child's world. The source of all love and security. That is his everything. The sort of awe and respect you might have for nature when you see Mount Etna erupt or that massive volcano Anak Krakatau erupt on the news over Christmas. And then the awe and respect in addition for the one who made it. The one who put it there. The one who is in control of it at every moment. The one who declares the days that you and I live on the earth. The number of them. Don't fear the doctors. Don't fear an accident. Don't fear a property crash at Brexit. Don't fear uh, bullies at school. Fear God. Fear God. The kind of awe and respect you would have if, if, if you were at the foot of a mountain and there was lightning and flashing and you knew if you touched the mountain you would die instantly because it's God. And he's that holy. And God audibly speaks and you hear him. That's the sort of awe and respect we're talking about. Before the majesty of God. Plenty of reminder here of another supporting wall. The need to to fear God. We don't flippantly come out of uh, mere habit or or, or practice. We, We meet because we want to worship God. And our verse is clear. When they hear his words, they learn to fear him. So that they may learn to fear me, it says. When we hear his words, we learn to fear him too. Because we, we, we learn more of God from his words. That's how we do it. Just the same as, as you learn more of your mother or your sister or your wife or your child when you hear their words. And the more we learn, the more we see his greatness. The more we know of it. It's like the Queen of Sheba. She comes to Solomon and then she goes back and she says, you know what? The half has not been told. You haven't heard the half of it. And finally, 
the final clause, and that they may teach their children also. That they may teach their children so. This is not just an afterthought. This is a vital pillar, uh, a weight-bearing wall of church. We, we, need the next, we need to teach the next generation. Someone is reported to have said that the church is only ever one generation away from extinction. Now that makes it a supporting wall. That's true, even if it's a little light on the sovereign working of God and his promises yet to be fulfilled as he uh, reaches every tongue and nation. But it's a matter of teaching, isn't it? The latter part of verse 9 sets the scene. Make them known to your children and your children's children. There's a rule for parents. There's a rule for grandparents, isn't there? Uh, And let's think we and us. Because as a church family, the boys and girls that come here are all of our children. I want you to think like that. We're, We're in a sense all responsible. We're also in a sense responsible to each other as adults. Chapter 6 in Deuteronomy says this. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house. And when you walk by the way. And when you lie down. And when you rise. When you sit in your house. When you walk by the way. When you lie down and you rise. In other words all times. All opportunities. And we teach them what? We teach them these words. We teach them His word. We're to teach them about God. We're to teach them about themselves in the Bible. We're to teach them his commands, his ways. Sunday school program, as I said, starts next week. Please teach your children at home. Please read at the dinner table before a meal or or sometime that suits you as a family. Even if they're young and don't understand the words, you can explain it to them and they'll remember it forever. They will. They'll remember that you did it and they'll remember what you said. Please see your responsibility in this regard. Please think about joining the Ruta uh, to teach the children in the autumn if God has gifted you in this regard. Gather. God says gather the people to me. Don't underestimate the importance of that to your spiritual health. Don't don't self-harm by not being here with us when you can. My words, God says. Hear my words. That the centrality of God revealing himself through his words to us. In his inspired word. That we may fear him. And seek to please him and live for him. Not out of quaking boots fear. But out of reverence and awe. Because he's that big and awesome a God. And teach the next generation. Teach the next generation. Four weight-bearing walls that I want to build us to build our church on in 2000 and around in 2019. Let's pray together.